Real quick, I've got to introduce our big surprise because we kept saying we've got a big surprise. If you're bigger than me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like some of y'all don't know that I'm big. I hugged somebody last night at a little get-together we had, and they're like, you're big. And I'm like, I, I get that all the time. Do you get that? I get that. You're big. I was like, really? Like this, this just happened. Just kidding. But if you're bigger than I am, you're, you're a big human being. A big mammal is what I like to say, right? You're a really big dude. And my pastor, the man that I call pastor, I'm thankful that he's big because if you were small, I'm not sure if I'd look at you quite the same. But this man, I'm just telling y'all, can I just say a couple things about Dean? I know some of y'all know him and some of you don't. <clears throat> when we started Four Points, apparently that's 200 weeks ago because we're celebrating that God's done this 200 weeks now. It's awesome. <clears throat> when we started our church, we knew God had called us to do this and like <laughs> we had no clue. We didn't know where to go, and we didn't have a church that was adopting us as the church that will help. And they have given us, Five Point Church, Pastor Dean's church, has given us tens of thousands of dollars in stuff and in money. But, and that's so appreciate, appreciated, excuse me, but that's really secondary compared to how much they've just poured their lives into us and loved us. And um, I've got funny stuff that I could say, but I really don't feel like being funny about Pastor Dean. Um, this man has done so many things, including a national champion. That's the one thing I hold against you. Including a national champion, Clemson offensive tackle. So for those of y'all that like Clemson, you're allowed to clap now. And you can quietly boo if you're a Gamecock, right? <clears throat> but there's nobody that I know that is more passionate about seeing people that are far from God become alive in Jesus Christ and then activated in the Holy Spirit's work in their life. I, I love this man. Um, there's nobody that has poured into me more in the last four years. And I just hope that you'll um, honor him with me right now and just stand to your feet and yell and scream in gratitude for this man that's coming to bring the word this morning. Well, good morning. It is uh, good to be at Four Points. I love this church. I love your pastor. I love seeing what God's doing here. And and it's always fun to come and, and, and hang out, so I appreciate you guys being here this morning. Let's just jump right into it. Have you ever been around crazy people? I'm talking about them kind of people that you wonder if God even gave them a brain. And if he did, they fried it on drugs. Have you been around those kind of people? <laughs> Some of you are looking down the aisle. Stop. <laughs> I've been around people that you look at them and you're like, man, dude, there's something wrong with you. And here's the thing about crazy people. You can't tell them they're crazy. You know why? They're crazy. They're crazy. And with me not being a real, real smart guy, I have a real good relationship with this guy named Webster, the dictionary. And I use it to help me define words all the time. Well, let me show you exactly what I mean by the word crazy. Crazy people, would you not agree they're foolish? Would you agree with me that they're, some are just mentally deranged? Okay. But then there's that group of people that are appearing absurdly out of place. That's the definition of crazy we're going to kind of cling to and, and deal with this morning. People that are appearing absurdly out of place. Your pastor and I got the incredible privilege of going to Israel together last year. Man, we had a stinking blast. But as we were walking through airport after airport after airport, people would come up to us and, and, and we'd be sitting down at a restaurant and we'd just be walking and they'd say, are you guys famous? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we are. Yeah. No autograph? Yeah. And it's just because we were both so big. We had people come to us and say, 
what NFL team do you play for? I was like, Rams. <laughs> Pick one way away. That way they'll never know, right? And we, we just had a lot of fun. Now, here's the really bad stuff. You should have saw people when the two of us were walking side by side or kind of behind each other on the airplane headed to a seat. You could see people like, no. They didn't want us coming to sit beside them. <laughs> that two big men. But we just seemed completely out of place because we're both so big. Then you get to Israel where there aren't big people, and we really looked out of place. Why? Well, we're certainly out of place because of our size. And here, let's be honest. We don't want to be called crazy, do we, church? Man, you don't want someone coming to you and like, man, you've got a problem. You're crazy. You're crazy. But it's because of that that I believe the church has got itself into the position that it is in America today. And here's the problem. We've just fit in. We've quit looking absurdly out of place to the world. People who claim to love Jesus just kind of fit in and look like everybody else. When's the last time someone said, man, you crazy. You crazy for Jesus. No, that doesn't happen much anymore. Why? Because it's not that we appear absurdly out of place. It's as if we just fit in. Sound familiar, church? How are we going to change the world if we look just like the world and nobody even notices any difference with us? So what I want to talk to you this morning about is getting crazy, appearing absurdly out of place for Jesus Christ. I'll show you a picture. This is a picture of three young men who were told by their parents this past winter, do not go on the ice on a day they're out of school. Three young men, out of school, a lot of ice. Guess what they did? They got on the ice. Well, as they were walking on the ice, this young man's name was John. He kind of kept getting out there a little further, kind of pushing the edge like young guys do. And you can hear the ice starting to crack. Right down he went. The other two, eased back, got to the bank. The last thing they heard John say was, I don't want to die. And under he went. Another friend on the bank had already called 911. It took 25 minutes before a fireman with a long pole finally felt his body and jerked him up. They got him to the hospital. They worked on him for another 20, 25 minutes. This young man has now been dead 50 minutes. The doctor called it. Stop. Go outside and tell the mom that we've done everything we could do. Doctor goes out there, ma'am, I'm so sorry, but we've done everything we can do. Now, the reason that I truly believe this story is because I found out about it from a friend who lived in the same area that this took place. So I called the pastor. Spent over an hour on the phone with the pastor who was sitting beside the mom when this took place. He said he heard the doctor say, ma'am, I'm sorry. But he also heard the mom say, I refuse to believe that. My God is bigger than that. Take me to my son. So they took this woman to her son. She came in, fell on her knees, put both of her hands on her son's chest, and began to pray out loud in a way that probably none of us have ever prayed. And the last thing she said was, Holy Spirit, give life to my son. Amen. 
after 50 minutes. Now, don't just take my word for it. Take the local news word for it. When you have doctors begin to say, this was a miracle, let me tell you something, folks, that's a miracle from the hand of God. As I talked to the pastor, we talked for an hour. As I talked to the pastor, the last question I really want, or really was supposed to be the first question, but ended up being the last question was, Pastor, do you think this woman truly believed, truly believed that she'd see her son raised from the dead? He said, you don't know this woman. You don't know her faith. Yes, she did. When she said, take me to my son, she believed her son would rise from the dead. I don't know about you, but that kind of stuff stirs inside of me. Well, the pastor went on to tell me this. He said, now, 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 Dean, you can believe this if you want to. He said, but I'm telling you, I was there. Myself and three other pastors, we went back in the next day. He's been alive, but he hadn't really been up and talking. He said, so, you know, even though he was alive, they were scared of having a lot of brain damage. The four of us, four pastors, were in there. Again, our hands were on him. We were praying. And he said, I'm not sure why. He said, but I, the Holy Spirit had me look at John. And as I did, he said, I saw a rainbow of colors circling this young man's head. He said, I'm telling you, that was God the Father through the Holy Spirit protecting this kid's mind and fixing his brain. The kid today is in school has no memory of it, and is 100% perfect to what he was the day that he died. I don't know about you, but that's called a miracle straight from the hand of God. And here's the thing, here's the thing. People who have that kind of faith run throughout the pages of Scripture. I want you to think about Noah. He built a boat. Why did he build a boat? God told him to. He had faith it was going to rain and flood the earth. How about this guy named Moses? He said, go get my people. He said, hey, just take that staff and hold it up, and we're going to see the Red Sea part. Can you imagine? Okay. He told Joshua, go walk around the city, and when you do, all the walls are just going to fall. So what Joshua would do? What God told him to do. That kind of faith runs throughout the page of Scripture. Elijah, he was going to go raise a woman's son from the dead, and he does, because they had that kind of faith. But can I be honest with you? I don't think that's the church today. I don't think we have the faith. I'm convinced that if myself and even possibly you had been sitting in that chair when the doctor said, your son is gone, that we would have began, we would have began preparing a funeral instead of expecting to see a miracle. And here's the truth, church. Everybody needs a miracle. 
Everybody in this room has issues in their life that they need a miracle in. Is that true? Right now, there's people in this room that you're dealing with financial issues that you've got thought, what's the point? What's the point? There's people in it that your health is at a point from, I don't know what it is, but you're like, what's, there's nothing can be done. The doctors have done everything they can. Your marriage is falling apart. Your kids have gone off the deep end. Your, your, I don't know. But I know this. The king himself knows. So let's just look. How many of you'd be willing to agree? There's a miracle you need to see happen in your life. Raise your hand real quick. All right, look at us. Right, well, everybody look around. Leave your hands up. Look. Look at everybody. So here's my question. If God knows that so many of us need a miracle, and he's in the miracle business, which we say all the time, why aren't we seeing these miracles? Why aren't we seeing miracles, church? I don't think we have crazy faith. Let me define crazy faith. You might want to write this down because I hope this becomes the type of faith you have in your life. Crazy faith is knowing God can. I don't think that's the problem. I think we believe God can, but I don't think we believe he will. Knowing God can and will do, can and will do, the most incredible things in the most impossible of situations. See, God doesn't get the glory if the doctor brings the kid back to life. But when a mom comes in there and says, Holy Spirit, fill my son, bring my son back to life. Beep, beep, beep. Who got the glory? There are miracles waiting in our life, but we don't believe that he can do what he says that he will do. So this is what I want to do. I want to challenge you to quit being like Thomas. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Dean? I believe the church is full of Doubt and Thomases. You remember Thomas, one of the disciples? Jesus has been crucified. The other guys have seen him because Jesus has appeared to him. And Thomas said, uh-uh, I ain't going to believe it until what? Until I see it. I ain't believing it. I, I ain't believing that stuff. You don't have to turn there, but read John with me real quick. This is the encounter of Jesus with Thomas. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was with the disciples when Jesus came. Was not with them. He, he didn't see them. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into the side, I what? I will not believe. No, I ain't believing it. I ain't, that stuff don't happen. I ain't believing it. Keep going. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Catch this. They're all in there. Jesus walks in and says, peace be with you, guys. I love what's next. He said, then he said to, it's kind of like he came in and said, peace be with you. Thomas? Went straight to him. Thomas? Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Say it with me. Say it with me. Stop doubting and let's just be real honest, church because I had to face this as I was dealing through this crazy faith myself. How many of you be willing to say, Pastor Dean, I don't have the kind of faith I need to have to do the things that God's called me to do? Raise your hand real quick. All right, look at us. Now, here's, here's an even more important question. Do you want it? Do you want to have miracles in your life? Do you want to see miracles performed? Guys, it doesn't just happen. You've got to have the faith. So I want to pray. I'm going to pray that we see some things happen in your lives right now 
that nobody can get the credit for but the king himself. I want to see you walk out of this place today going, I'm going to go change the world. And I'm going to change the world because the Father wants me to go do it for him. Make sense, church? So I'm going to ask you, bump what anybody thinks. I'm going to ask you to pray out loud and proud with me. Would you repeat after me? Eyes can be open. It's okay. How many of you ever pray with your eyes open? I mean, how many of you ever drive while you're praying? That's with your eyes open, right? Because I've had people say, is it okay to pray with our eyes open? I'm like, man, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So we're going to pray. Eyes open. And we're going to repeat after me loud and proud. You okay at that, church? Here we go. Holy Spirit, moving me today. Fill me in a way like you've never done before. Give me crazy faith. Use me to do miracles for you and your glory. Give miracles in my life because of the faith that I have in you. Holy Spirit, I love you. And I'm coming to you believing that we're going to see something happen today that only you get the credit, the glory, and the honor for. Would you move in this place? If you would just take this group of people and you'd give us the faith that we're supposed to have and that we claim to have, we could change this city. So would you create an army right here that will change this community for you and for your glory? And I ask this in your name. Amen. Who has their Bibles? Let me see them. Let me see them. Who has their Bibles? Let me see them. Raise them up high. Okay, some of you do. If you're in God's house, shouldn't you have God's word? Okay, we want a trick question, so I'll ask it again. If you're in God's house, shouldn't you have God's word? The first time I ever did this in my church, it broke my heart. So I started asking people, why don't you bring your Bible? And they're like, well, because the words are on the big screen. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't, they are on the, but shouldn't God's people be in God's word? Here's the problem. A lot of us have our Bibles and they sit on the table. You don't bring them to church because you really don't even read them much. So let me, we're just going to be honest. If we're going to have crazy faith, it's all going to start right here, guys. It's the foundation. So I'm going to ask a really personal question. How many of you this week have read your Bibles at least, since last Sunday, at least four, five times? Raise your hand. 10, 11, 12 people. And we wonder why we don't see the miracles. If you want to get a word from God, don't you think you might want to be in God's word? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus Christ came from the heavens in the flesh. He went back, sent the Holy Spirit, but while he was walking among us, the word became flesh. When you open the holy and errant word of God, you are hanging out with him himself. Make sense? Facebook ain't going to change your life. Yeah, Facebook could change your life. Probably for the bad. The internet ain't going to take you where God wants you to go. Clemson football ain't going to take you where God wants you to go. The Word of God is the foundation of everything that we are, believe, and do. So let me encourage you, church. Get in the Word of God. Begin to have crazy faith and see what the Word of God will do for you. Take your Bibles. Turn to Matthew 17. But if you don't have a Bible, words will be on the big screen. Turn to Matthew 17. And we're going to see a situation where a man needed faith like we probably haven't experienced or seen. Matthew 17, verse 14. And let's pick up right there. When they came to the crowd, that being Jesus and the disciples, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Why not? Now, anytime I read through the Bible, I try to put myself 
into the shoes of the, of the person that, is going, that we're reading about. So you have a dad, now think, put yourself in his shoes. You have a dad whose son is going through these type of events. He's taking him to the disciples, and he can't be healed. What would you do? I'll tell you what most of us would do. Go buy some more chains, because we've got to chain our son up so he doesn't hurt himself. Get him on some medicine, kind of calm him down. Here's what I've begun to see in the American church. Instead of Jesus Christ being the first resort, he's turned out to be the last resort. Instead of us making Jesus Christ the first resort and all that other stuff the last resort. Make sense, church? Why don't we make the king of kings, the creator of the universe, the savior of our soul, the first resort in our lives and our discussions and our problems instead of the last resort? So this dad doesn't know what to do. So he takes him to the disciples. The disciples can't do anything. He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this problem to Jesus. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know most of you. But I know there's issues in your life because we're people. We live in a world that is full of sin. And whatever it is, he wants to know about it and he wants to help with it. But we don't take it to him. You see, crazy faith begins... Keep going. That's right. Write this down. Write this down. To experience crazy faith, to, to experience crazy miracles, we've got to have crazy faith. And I want you to have that type of faith, the kind of faith that we see this dad right here having. The kind of faith that, that we want to see things happen in our life that we can't understand. Now here's the problem. We say we believe Jesus, but I'm not sure we do. The problem is I'm convinced that we believe in Jesus. See, the devil believes in Jesus, but he doesn't, but we don't believe he'll do what he said that he will do. Make sense, church? Write this down. We must do more than just believe. We got in Jesus. We must believe he is who he says he is. He's, yes, he is the creator of the universe. He is the savior of our soul. But it seems like we're just consumed with a heaven ticket in America and not a radical love relationship. And when we get more than just a heaven ticket, wait a minute, a heaven ticket doesn't exist. A heaven ticket is through the love relationship. We can actually experience a part of heaven right here. And that's called our relationship with him. But it seems if, if we're consumed with just getting to heaven, then that's the end of it. No, he wants so much more for us. I've been to Africa seven or eight times, and the second time I was coming back, man, I'm telling you, I was just weeping on the plane because of some of the things I'd seen and experienced. And God just said to me very clearly, here's the problem, Dean. The people of America, they just want God's blessings. The people of Africa, they just want God. We just, we have everything in America, but all we really want is, say it with me, all we ever really want is more. We just want more, don't we, church? Give me more, give me more, give me more. They have nothing, all they really want is more God. See, we have to quit just believing in Jesus and believe he is who he said he is and he'd do the things that he said he would do. And I want you to read what Jesus himself said in, in, in John. Very truly, I tell you, he's speaking to us, believers, whoever, any of us who are his. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. What are the things that he's been doing? 
blind to see, lame to walk, feed thousands, raise dead to life. And he just said, and you will do even greater things. Okay, we have a choice to make. Either Jesus is a liar or we're missing out on something. Make sense, church? He said, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I'm going to leave, and when I leave, I'm going to send the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to fill you up, and you're going to be able to do the things that I've been doing. If that's the case, then why aren't we doing them? Could it be our complete, total lack of faith? When I asked that pastor, did that mom really believe that she could see her son come back to life? He was so adamant about, you don't understand this woman's faith. When she left that chair, because he was sitting right beside her, when she left that chair, she believed that she would see her son again. I don't know if I would have done that. I'm not sure that all of us wouldn't have taken the doctor's word and began our mourning process right then. And began the process of planning a funeral. But Jesus has said, and I have done these things, but you will do even greater things. Back to the dead. Back to the dead. Matthew 17. Let's look at where he is. Verse 17. So the disciples ask him, why couldn't we heal him? Look what Jesus said. You unbelieving and perverse generation. He's speaking to the disciples when he says, you unbelieving generation. What do you think he would say about our generation today, church? What would he say to us? You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Can you hear the frustration in, the, in, in Jesus? Man, crazy faith begins... But truly knowing the problem really hasn't even changed. They're having the same problem. We can't do it. Why can you do it? I mean, I studied this and I read this because I'm thinking, well, the disciples have already been doing it. Why couldn't the disciples get the demon out of the... What's the problem here? This is just my opinion. The disciples have been hanging out with Jesus, who at the time was the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was with them, but the Holy Spirit wasn't in them. You catching this? There's a lot of you here. The Holy Spirit's around you all the time, through your family, your coworkers, your friends. Man, they're radically in love with Jesus, but he's not inside of you. And without the Holy Spirit's presence inside of us, we're not going to change the world. You agree, church? See, but here's what happens. Jesus leaves, sends the Spirit on a day called Pentecost fills Peter, fills the disciples, fills the room full of 120 people, and they begin to do those miracles. Here's my question. What's the difference in that spirit that filled them and the spirit that fills us? What's the difference, church? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So if either Jesus is a liar, because he said you will do even greater things than these, either he's a liar or we're missing something. Would you agree, church? I don't know about you, but I want to see miracles in my life. I want to see miracles done that just glorify the king. And we can. Because the Holy Spirit resides in us. So Jesus told them, come on, guys. Unbelieving, perverse generation. And here's the truth. 
One of my favorite verses describes it perfectly. Look what Hebrews 11 says. It says, and, say this with me, and without, say it like you mean it, and without, it is, say this, impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. How do we begin to earnestly seek him? Right there it is. Right there it is. That is how you begin to earnestly seek him. How do you fall in love with someone? By beginning to know them. You hang out with him. You talk with him. Hang out with him. Talk to him. Spend time with him. Begin to have the faith that you have in him. And but, but this is what people tell me, Pastor Dean. It's easy for you. You're big and loud and obnoxious and arrogant, and, and you don't care what people think, so you just go out and you start telling people about Jesus. True, true. All true. Guilty. All true. But it wasn't like that to begin with. You see, my faith has grown to a point I really don't care what you think. I care more about your eternity than I believe some of you do. Well, Pastor Dean, I'm scared of what people will think if I say something about Jesus. Here's the truth. Fear cancels out faith. Did you catch that? Fear cancels out faith. When that mom was sitting in that emergency room in the waiting area, and they said, your son is dead, do you think that mom gave a whatever about what other people thought? Because let me say something to you. I wasn't in the room, but if I'd been in there and I'd seen a woman get on her knees and put her hands on her son and start saying, Holy Spirit, raise my son from the dead, and I know he's been dead 50 minutes. You know what I would have said about her? That woman is crazy. She absurdly stood out of place. Am I right, church? You see, faith cancels out. Fear cancels out faith. But let's turn that around a little bit. Faith cancels out fear. When you get the kind of faith that he wants us to have in him, when you get so filled that you don't care what the world thinks, you ain't got to worry about it because your faith is going to cancel out any fear you ever had. And it's going to lead you to do things that you never believed you could do, say things you never thought were possible. I'm not a smart guy. Pastor Mark makes fun of me all the time that I'm a Clemson grad. Eat up with it. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. My blood runs orange. Come on. Mm. And I'll say things in a, in a situation. Man, I'll, I'll, here's the thing about pastors. People come to us and they say, Pastor, can I talk to you for a minute? And you know what that really means? I'm about to lay some heavy stuff on you. I'm about to dump all my life on you, and it's hard sometimes to keep taking it. So this is what I've begun to do. Holy Spirit, I'm about to dictate the next step this person takes. I'm about to lead them in a direction I don't want to lead them if I give them wrong advice. Would you give me the right words to say? That's my prayer. Man, I've said some things before. My wife has said, where did that come from? You're not that smart. His name is the Holy Spirit. And if he can take a moron like this, and do things with this, do you know what he could do with you? Do you know what he wants to do with you? But you got to remember, your fear is going to cancel out the faith you got, but if you'll truly get the faith, it's going to cancel out any fear you have. And he'll be able to do great things with you. He wants to. Does God want to do miracles in you and in this house? What's he waiting on? You. He's just waiting on you. He wants to do so much, but he's waiting to see. Here we go. Back to Matthew 17, verse 18. He said, bring the boy here. Bring him here. So Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy. And he was healed at that moment. 
The disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? They hadn't been filled yet. But once they got filled, it changed their life. You see, Peter was cowering in a room, worried about what people were going to say, what they were going to do. Pentecost happens, and that same day he gets up, at least 3,000 people to Jesus. Same spirit, same Jesus. What are we waiting on? What are we waiting on, church? We just sang, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. Is it just a song? Or is it a life that we truly believe in? Because if we would begin to believe that, while we were singing that, I reached over to Pastor Mark and put my arm around him and said, if we get the church to believe that, we could, truly could change the world. We could change the world. I'm convinced that crazy faith begins by knowing that the solution to many problems is crazy faith. Make him the first resort, not the last resort. Allow Jesus Christ to be the first thing you think of when a problem comes in your life. Read verse 20. He replied, because you have so little faith. Come on, disciples. You have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith... As small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What will be impossible? Nothing. Now catch this. Pastor Mark and myself, we were standing right here in, Jerusalem, uh, in, in, uh, in the Mount of Olives, looking at the city of Jerusalem, Garden of Gethsemane is right over here. And I could just sit here all day, and, and just, this, this, it just takes your breath. And that had never really made sense to me, what Jesus just said. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Wait, really? Like, I can actually move mountains? <laughs> Until I stood right here. And another pastor friend said, hey, hey, Dean, hey, Mark, come here, come here. And we went up there with him and a couple of our buddies. And, and he said, I want you to look. And he pointed right over there. And, and, and as he pointed, you could see, and it's kind of hazy. I wish it had been a crystal clear day. But right there, you see this flat mountain. I mean, I mean, it is pancake flat. And he said, Dean, you know why that mountain's flat? I ain't got a clue. No. He said, because Herod's palace was behind it, and he couldn't see Jerusalem, so he had him cut it off. I'm like, dang. They didn't even have excavators. They, literally, he just paid people and had them move that mountain out of the way. Then if you look to the right, he said, now you see that other mountain? I mean, it was a crystal clear day. You could see it. It was like, yeah. He said, do you know the name of that mountain? I was like, again, no clue. He said, that's Mount Herodian. I was like, did he build a mountain after himself? He said, yep. That mountain was built because he wanted something built after him. So he literally cut one mountain off and built another mountain and named it after himself. So then he said, hey, you see right down there, Dean? And he pointed down to the down this valley where some stuff was. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I see it, I see it. He said, that's where Jesus Christ was standing. And when he told his people, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And all of a sudden, the people got it. Ho, ho, I actually saw mountains move. I saw them do it. So Jesus, what you're saying is that if I have the faith of a mustard seed, I myself can move mountains from point A to point B. That's exactly what I'm saying, Jesus. That's exactly what he was saying to us. So church, I got to ask you, do you believe that? Do you really believe he wants to use you to do those kind of things? 
want you to say this, or read this and we're done. We must have a spirit of expectancy. We must have a spirit of expectancy. You can't come in here just thinking, ah, oh, it's just going to be another Sunday. You can't go to work thinking it's just going to be another day. You've got to begin to expect him to do the things that he wants to do in you. And this is what I've come to learn. This is what I've come to learn and believe with all my heart. Crazy faith equals crazy miracles. Crazy faith equals crazy miracles. No faith equals, guess what? No miracles. Crazy faith equals crazy miracles. But just as the disciples have the Holy Spirit around them, but not in them, I believe the same is true for people in this church. Satan is the master of making you think, well, because the Holy Spirit's just around you, he's in you. And that's not the case, church. I want you to be so filled with the Spirit. And for some of you, it needs to start right here today. It's because you've never experienced the salvation that he has for you. I don't care if this is your first time or if you've been in church 20 years. He will make you believe because it's around you that it's in you and it is not. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I'm convinced in a room with this many people that there are people who do not know you. They're not filled with the Spirit in a great way. With every eye closed, every head bowed, guys, I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing, but I want to know how to pray for you. If you'd say, Pastor Dean, you're right. The Holy Spirit is not in me. Man, I've been playing. If I died today, I would not experience eternity with Jesus Christ. And Pastor Dean, today I want to do that. I want to be filled. I want Jesus Christ to come into my life and change me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick? Man, I just want to see you. I just want to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you in any way. Hey, look at me, church. Look at me. Nobody raised their hands. Okay? Let's talk for a second. Would you be willing to agree that God the Father, through his son Jesus Christ, wants to see you experience crazy miracles? Yes. Yes. What do you think the number one reason is that we're not? Could it be a complete, total lack of faith? So I'm going to ask you this morning, if we have faith, would you agree that that's a sin problem in our own life? And if we have sin in our life, what do we need to do with it, church? We need to repent of it. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm not going to ask you to sit there, because this is what I've come to experience through my own life and through our own church, that if you're not willing to get up in the church, you ain't going to get up out in the world. So I'm going to ask you this morning to get up out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to come forward, and I'm going to ask you to repent, number one. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for not having the faith that I know I'm supposed to have. And I'm going to ask you today, would you give me this faith so that I can begin to experience the miracles you have in store for me? Because I promise you, if you'll take your faith to where it's supposed to be, you better buckle up because of what he wants to do with you, through you, and for you. So I'm asking you, church, will you repent? Will you ask him to feel you? And you just stand up with me and start making your way. Come on, say, forgive me for the sin of not having the faith I need to have. And then fill me and do something special with me.